care of business. Sorry, folks, I won't sing anymore. This is Fred McMurray, and this is Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm in the coast of Pillars of Franchising, and my franchisee friend, co-host, uh, partner, Ray Pillar, is with me. Ray, how are you doing today? I am doing absolutely great. I'm sitting in Middlebury, Indiana, in my uh, mobile studio, as you like to put it. It's getting its annual inspection here at the Coach's Manufacturer. So it's uh, been a cloudy day most of the day, and we had a little snow last night, but not too bad, about 33 degrees. Perfect weather as far as I'm concerned. Well, so do you have pillars and franchising the two dogs with you? Well, I'm sorry to say that uh, the older Miss Molly uh, had to go to the dog in the sky uh, uh, sorry last week. Yeah, so I know how hard that. Oh, well, we got we got the the young little pup here. She's a couple of years old, actually, and uh, so if you hear barking, sorry. <laughs> Well, then we'll have to get a new pillars there. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think we're going to get bothered. To, no, nobody's going to be knocking out my door. There's, hard, there's only uh, you know, about three or four coaches in this parking lot, and uh, I don't expect people to be knocking on my door here in the middle of Middlebury. <laughs> Middlebury. Is Middlebury in north, northern Indiana or southern Indiana? It is northern Indiana, it's north of Indy, near Elkhart. Okay, so you're, okay, I know where that is. Uh, yeah. yeah, South Bend, and, uh, Elkhart, in that area. It's uh, uh, so, Amish country, so we got we got to watch for the, uh, driving uh, driving my 45-foot coach down the road, i got to watch for the horse and buggy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the um, yeah don't they, we don't want to annoy the our Amish listeners do we no never mind um, that's 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 right that's right I, I'm not I don't have anything against that I mean all more power to them uh, they have one horse and I usually have what do I have about six four hundred and fifty <laughs> uh, if I need to get somewhere I'd rather go with you than in a horse and buggy so big news Ray. <laughs> Big, big news. What's that? So first, uh, some uh, big news today. Okay. Uh, uh, first, we'll very soon we'll bring our guest on and be talking about franchise geographic data, big data, uh, CTO uh, from BlastPoint, and uh, Tomer Bornstein. And later, we've got another segment from Holly A. Ford, and I love this title, Future Bet, Deconstruction of the ROI. To me, that's just a really geek out franchise topic. I, I like it. But yes. the big news is this we've crossed the 18,000 listen mark, my friend. We're a hit. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And that's even with them, the analytics uh, filtering out the bot listeners. We're over 1,800, on average, 1,800 listens a month. Did you ever think we'd have that many listens total? I, no. I, I don't know 18,000 people, so <laughs> that's really interesting that they would want to listen. 
So on that, if you're listening and you want to call in with a question, you can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And as we get started, before we bring Tomer on, uh, I also want to announce our newest sponsor, uh, Zarian Firm International. So we'll hear a bit about them right this second. Sounds good. International Business Brokers is truly unique in the business resale space. The average business broker uses one standard multiplier across all businesses and industries to value a business. Zarian Firm is the only business brokerage that looks at the five factors of distinction in each individual business and values the business using a sophisticated algorithm. This gives our sellers a true value and our buyers a fair price. Zarian gives our sellers the choice of three marketing packages based on how quickly they want to sell their business. But all of our businesses sell 33% faster than the standard in all other brokerages. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers connects premium investors with validated business opportunities. Learn more at ZarianFirm.com. That's ZarianFirm.com. So, Ray, we'll be hearing more from Holly at Zarian later. Why don't you introduce our guest with your wonderful, um, you know, ability to introduce people. Okay. Well, we'd like to welcome uh, Tomer Bernstein. And uh, Tomer is the co-founder and CTO of BlastPoint. And he's going to tell us about geospatial data. Geo and spatial sound similar in their meaning, so I was wondering if Tomer could help us with that. <laughs> hey guys, how are you doing? <laughs> good. How are you? Um, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. This is great, and congratulations on all of your success uh, with the show. So, uh, yeah, that's wait, a good wait, question. Wait, Spatial out, data. Stop. Stop. Yeah. Before. So before you can answer his question. You have to answer the other two questions we ask of all guests are, where are you and what's the weather? And then you can answer the question because he forgot <laughs> to ask those first two questions. Well, all you right. know me. I so, want to get right to the meat of things. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, I am in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, this, is, this is where we're based. And actually, let me peek out the window. It is pretty gloomy, which is pretty standard for Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> now we've run the gamut. Take it away on what Ray's question was. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Ray, you asked about geospatial data. This just means, you know, sometimes we call it locational data, sometimes we call it geodata, um, but it basically just means data that can be tied back down to a physical place on Earth, uh, anything that's mappable. So, weather is geospatial data. Uh, how much, uh, how many people with disabilities live in an area is geospatial data. How much do people spend on chewing gum is geospatial data. And ty- things like home prices in a certain area, it's also geospatial data. So all of those things are interchangeable, geospatial, geodata, locational data. That's our bread and butter. Mm, okay, okay. So I, I, know, I know how uh, my franchise, Molly Made, uses uh, – geospatial data and that's how they basically sell their franchises 
But uh, how do the majority of franchises use that type of data? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, there there's there's a lot of stuff that um, that you can do with geospatial data, and there are varying degrees in which you know we've seen different franchises use uh, data for various purposes and in different levels of sophistication. So. Uh, some of our uh, franchisors use data for franchise sales, like you mentioned. Uh, site selection is a big thing. Uh, things like uh, hyper-local targeted marketing, figuring out exactly where to spend your ad dollars and, uh, and how to message your, your advertising around your stores or around your territories. These are all things that uh, can be done using geospatial data, and our whole thing is making that process easier for franchises. So uh, basically, you package it according to how the franchise needs it, or, you know, franchise or, or franchisee, is that correct? Yeah, we typically work with franchisors or franchise consultants. Uh, the data eventually makes its way to franchisees uh, in, in some cases, but what we're really good at is getting the data that is really specific to your context. So, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, some of the more data savvy franchises uh, out there do is look at data such as education levels and income levels and, you know, gender balances and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's pretty much it. And what we can do is get really, really specific uh, because there is just an ocean of data out there, and our whole thing is aggregating all of that data, uh, cleaning it up, and making sure that our franchisors get data that supports their um, customer model or territory models. Uh, so, you know, we have some wellness and fitness franchisors that use data about things like gym memberships or how much do people uh, spend on uh, – you know, wellness products and services, while other franchisors might be in the pet industry and they use data about how much do people spend on uh, pet services, pet products, uh, pet supplies, and how many dogs they have uh, in an area and things like that. Wow. That's, uh, how, do you, how do you mine that type of data? Where do you get it from? So, you know, you can think of us as data aggregators, not data collectors. We don't actually go out there and, and ask people questions about, you know, hey, do you have a dog? And uh, how much do you spend on chewing gum? But we have data partners that uh, do do that and take that data. And obviously, you can't ask everyone in the United States all of these questions, but they get large enough sample sizes and then model uh, the data for the rest of the states. And what we're good at is collecting all of that data from publicly available sources, so uh, things like the... Uh, American Community Survey, uh, census data, CDC data, data about banks from the FDIC, data about credit unions from the NCUA, um, business county patterns, all of these uh, publicly available data sources and making them usable for the regular non-scientist people. And then we also have um, just a bunch of data partners that specialize in certain things. So we have one data partner that can tell you all about every business in the United States. So one of the things that our franchisors like to do is use that data for competitive analysis when they go to a new area and review a particular site that they might be interested in opening a new location. Um, they can see exactly who they're up against and how, you know, who their direct competitors are 
uh, how much they're doing in sales, how many employees they have, what square footage they have, their credit score, all of that kind of stuff. And, and really what, what we pride ourselves on is having this wealth of, of data partners and, and data sources that we bring under one roof and make it all work together in a way that makes sense and, you know, without needing to be a data scientist. Wow. That sounds pretty complex, but I, I think for our listeners, I'd like to cite a couple of examples of how this is, is being used and um, in, in uh, with, with, with the franchise I have, uh, the franchise or sells the franchise by what they call qualified households. And there are quite a few parameters that uh, quantify what a qualified household is. And uh, one of them is income and, you know, uh, the age uh, of uh, the people within that area. And uh, they sell it. Um, trying to think I think it's in blocks of 10,000 qualified households uh, at a certain price and when you buy the franchise that's what you're paying for is this area and, and they they uh, geographically they designed it by uh, uh, census tracts because census tracts uh, are not supposed to change whereas a zip code can change so that's one that's example right. that I know of, and, and another example of it, which I come across on a regular basis is advertising. So I look, I look for uh, you know people with it with that almost the same model as, as the franchisor uses uh, in uh, you know income and uh, you know the size of the home and everything like that, and, and those are uh, the areas I target with my advertising. So what other types? of uh, uh, franchises use your data? Oh, you know, literally, uh, we, we've worked with franchises that are uh, retail-based. We've worked with franchises that are service-based. We have franchises in a bunch of different industries, and that's why we really uh, think that having specific data uh, that, that is tailored to your concept is really important. So you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, how many households are qualified, and usually you look at things like income and age, um, but not much beyond that. And and with us, you know, the cool thing that that we do is we pull in all of this data that can get really specific. Um, and and you know, we've had, uh, like I mentioned, franchises in the in the uh, fitness and and uh, so you know, uh, certain gyms, wellness clinics, uh, uh, doggy daycare franchises. Uh, we have uh, uh, companies that are franchise-like that are not exactly franchises, but uh, one of one of the customers that uh, that we brought in recently that are, that are really cool do furniture delivery within very spe- specified territories. So it's sort of like Uber for furnitures, and all of all you know every concept has their own idea of who is my target customer and what makes an ideal territory for uh, to support one of my units. Uh, which is which is why uh, we use this ocean of data that's out there in a way that it hasn't really been used before uh, this extensively in, in this context. Wow. Okay, so so we've talked about some of the upsides uh, of uh, getting this data available to uh, the franchise, but what are some of the pitfalls that uh, you know in, in Looking at this data, I mean, can a person go wrong by, you know, looking oh, yeah, at this you know, type of data? 
I think that's a really good question. I will say that there's quite a few pitfalls, and that's something that we take uh, very seriously and something that we educate our franchisors on in and out of our software. And, you know, here are a few. So one thing is using outdated data. So it's really important to uh, know uh, where exactly you're getting your data from and when was that data collected. You know, some of our more data-savvy customers uh, used to use data from 2010 and 2016, and that can really throw off your site selection. If you're looking at uh, foot traffic data or, or regular traffic, uh, vehicle traffic data from a few years ago, you might be missing things like new developments and things like that. So that's, you know, one pitfall. Another pitfall that, uh, you know, is not just for franchises, but anyone using data is cherry-picking data to support your preconceptions. And, you know, a lot of people do this. It's human nature. Sometimes we don't even notice that we do this, but it's really important to approach data with a neutral eye and see if it tells you anything. If it does, great. Take what it tells you and then get some more data to test that hypothesis. Um, you know, another thing, you know, especially in the franchising con uh, context, is putting all of your eggs in the data basket. So, so you know, in mm -hmm. franchising, location is extremely important, but it's only half of the picture, right? There are folks out there that think that they can predict exactly what's going to happen with a franchise based on its location, but they forget that uh, a lot of whether a franchise unit is successful or not depends on the operator, too. So you can have the best location in the world with not-so-great franchisee, and it won't go anywhere. Um, and lastly, you know, one of the cool things that we've noticed um, our, our franchisors start to do is Instead of using the typical, you know, one mile, three mile, five mile radius around uh, a store or, you know, a retail uh, location, they start to use drive times and walk times and bike times, all of these things that take into account natural barriers. So here in Pittsburgh, you know, we have three rivers. And one of the things that, uh, that uh, one of our franchisors was looking at is a, is a store that was right at the, near the water and, you know, between two bridges, pretty much, pretty even, evenly spaced. So when they were looking at a three-mile radius around that store, that included a bunch of people from the other side of the river that skewed the results because those people, because of the way that the river is and the bridges are like, um, wouldn't uh, actually be potential customers. So that's another thing that, uh, you know, with some clever tools, you can, you can get around, but that's something that uh, a, a lot of people seem, seem to miss. So, how about generational data? Well, Ray, um, wait, yeah, you're going to uh, go to where I want to go. Uh, oh, wait, stop. So okay. It's about that. You, that you, want, to, you want to do a commercial? Yes, I want Fred? to tell people they – yes, I do. <laughs> Very good. Well, right? you, you know how it is. I, I get kind of excited about this stuff, so <laughs> I'll I know, keep and, on and talking. I know you will, and, and the generational data was something that I definitely want to uh, jump in on. So uh, we'll want to remind our listeners they can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Or you can ask questions to those hanging out on the website at www.pillarsoffranchising.com. We want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. And now a word from Nick Neonakis. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select, 
and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. And Ray, this one last recording I have to play because, of course, we didn't, you and I weren't on the show together last week, at least not live. So mm. I want to play this for you because I like playing it last week. <laughs> <laughs> As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> I love that line. That was classic. So, you guys. I will put that away until next Thanksgiving. Maybe. We may have once more. So, generational data. Um, take it away. You know. Millennials and boomers, you know, how does that help? I mean, is is, is that relevant today? I mean, from what I understand, the, the boomers are going to take over the world soon, so they're going to be our biggest spenders. <laughs> is that correct? No, millennials. Well, you know, th- this stuff is, is really, really important. And, you know, we were just talking about this earlier today um, in the office about how uh, taking generations into account in terms of who your customers are uh, can make a huge difference. And, and if you don't do that, you can really miss an entire segment of, of the customer base that would otherwise be uh, an ideal customer for you. So the example that we like to use is yoga, uh, where you know you think that uh, you know you think of the ideal uh, yoga person. You think about you know millennials in their 20s, um, but and, and, you know, if, if that's where you were to stop, you know, with that kind of stereotype, you would be miss, missing out because there are a bunch of older women, you know, 45, 50 plus who are getting into yoga. And the way that you have to talk to them is going to be very different than the way that you would talk to your younger customers. And this is true uh, not just in, in age and generation, but one of the things that we like to do is customer discovery with our customers and figure out, who exactly are your customers? And usually that comes out to be more than one persona. So, um, you know, with, uh, with, you know, we were looking at a certain program for one of our franchisors that wanted to drive more adoption of that program. And we were, uh, you know, we, we ran an analysis to, to say, okay, based on who's already enrolled in this program, tell me who else from my customer base should I reach out to and, where to advertise to them and how to talk to them. And what we found out is that there were two groups and one of them was um, younger uh, with higher income and uh, they uh, tended to care about environmental causes. So the way that you would target that customer segment would be through digital media, Facebook ads, things like that. And you would talk to them about, you know, you would message things like the environment and things like that. Whereas another customer group that, you know, for the same program was, uh, you know, a little bit older uh, with lower income. And, you you know, we found out that in order to drive adoption from that customer segment, you probably wanted to uh, use direct mail versus Facebook ads and talk more about things like cost savings rather than the environment. 
So this stuff absolutely matters. It, it is extremely relevant, and it's just a small piece of, um, you know, once you have all of this data about your customers and about your potential customers, you can do a lot with it. You can optimize your marketing uh, operations, make sure that you're spending money in the, right, in the right places where your customers live, and when you're spending that money, you're reaching out to your customers in the right way, through the right mode, with the right messaging. So I would say yes, absolutely. That is extremely relevant. Okay, so um, I saw an article uh, yesterday, yesterday, I don't know, my brain fakes in the California sun. <laughs> it's raining. That's for Ray. Um, and this is true. Uh, this is true. I thought you'd like that. Um, they were saying that uh, millennials, the millennials, while they've been blamed for, I guess, wrecking multiple industries, um, they're the reason that millennials aren't buying as much um, as different generations is because they don't have as much money because they uh, came of age during the Great Recession. Have you mm-hmm. seen any anything that bore that out or uh, argued against that? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. And I think the interesting thing about questions like this is that they're going to have different answers depending on which area you're focusing on in the country. So, uh, you know, here in Pittsburgh, especially over the last 10 years, um, there's there's been a big shift. And a lot of the millennials here, uh, you know, it's a college town. We have Carnegie Mellon, uh, which we came out of. uh, Both me and my co-founder met while we were at Carnegie Mellon. uh, And, and, you know, you have the University of Pittsburgh and UPMC. Um, So, over the past uh, few years, this really became more of like a tech hub. And so, so, you know, you might not see that as much as you would in rural Pennsylvania, you know, maybe like two counties away in Butler County, where what you're saying is definitely the case. So I would say that this is not a yes or no question. This is, uh, it depends on where you're looking at. Right. What do you guys say? I I think what I'd like to ask Tomer is because uh, I I want to make sure that, that listeners uh, who who uh, are listening because they're thinking about buying a franchise is how does this relate to them? How does I mean should they be uh, if they find a franchise that they like should they be interested in the data that the franchisor comes up with? Or is it relevant, oh, relevant at all to, to, to them buying a franchise? First of all, um, a few things. From the franchisee's perspective, this kind of data, although, of course, it makes a lot of sense for the franchisor uh, to be using this kind of data, this kind of data will eventually hopefully be used uh, for the benefit of the franchisee. So, first of all, the more, um, the, the more data that a franchisor can provide about a particular territory, um, the, the more that you have to work with. So this is actually something that we've noticed uh, our, our franchisors doing, actually incorporating uh, big data and locational data in particular into their franchising uh, franchise sales process because being able to answer any kind of question about any territory that a prospective franchisee might have really makes them stand out of the competition. Um, now, the other thing is, is that this kind of data can be used um, to make sure that the territory that you're getting uh, will support uh, 
you know, a, a unit. Uh, and, and that's something that if, if you're buying uh, a, a franchise from a franchisor that might not be as data savvy and they are going out um, and, you, you know, maybe you are in an unfamiliar market to that franchisor and they just say, yeah, you know, this territory looks good, um, but maybe there are not enough customers. Or, you know, you were talking about qualified households. We're working with one of the really big uh, franchise chains right now on something that, you know, they have noticed that, you know, while there were a bunch of stores that they opened in areas that have a lot of potential customers, they did not have enough talent to run those stores, and that's why those locations weren't successful. So this kind of data is essential for both sides of the equation, both, both the franchisees and the franchisors. And then, you know, so that's on the site selection side. On the marketing side, this is data that can help the franchisee in terms of just getting more revenue. If you get this kind of data from a franchisor, being able to execute on that kind of data and spend your marketing dollars and advertising dollars wisely in a way that is uh, cost-effective and also just more efficient because you're targeting the right people in the right way with the right messaging, that's something that will save you money and get uh, and, and hopefully drive more customers to your store or, you know, if it's a service-based franchise, it's not a store, but, uh, but the same uh, principles apply. So these are all things that I would say uh, a, a prospective franchisee, if you're really looking uh, at, at buying a franchise in 2018, the data that the franchisor can provide is something that should absolutely be a key part of what you're looking at. Absolutely. Um, All right. What, what, I got a one question. of the things that uh, you got a question, Fred? Go ahead. Well, I don't, but uh, one of our listeners online uh, at the website does. Uh, he oh. said. Sorry, so it happens, doesn't it? Sometimes other people have questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's, um, they're saying this sounds like great data. Uh, it also sounds like it's very expensive to have access to this. Um, is this out of the range of a small business? Is I guess so. I guess uh, the question is, what's the cost uh, access or points? So. Uh, to, to answer that question, I would like to go on a little tangent, which actually gets to uh, the core of why we exist as a company. Um, so, you know, you know, we've talked about all of this. We know that this kind of data is important, uh, you, you know, in terms of finding new customers, site selection, where to spend your marketing dollars and all of that. And, you know, one of the things that we as a founding team noticed is that there's this huge data revolution underway as more and more companies are realizing this and spending resources on collecting and buying and cleaning and analyzing all that data. But, you know, I think the listener has a really good point because all of that said, there are millions and millions of businesses that are left behind in the dust of this data revolution. And that's because um, raw data and locational data in particular is simply not made to make sense for human brains. You know, I'm a data scientist, and when I look at raw locational data, it can be extremely frustrating because our brains just aren't designed to understand it. And a lot of the times, you know, that's the case if that's publicly available. A lot of the times that, da that data is, um, it, it is expensive to get. Um, so, you know, because of this, if you and your business were to make productive use of this data, you would typically have to have a team of data scientists which can get really expensive. Uh, trust me, I know I have a bunch of them. Uh, 
You need tools mm-hmm. for those scientists to analyze the data, which can also be really expensive, and the data itself, which, again, like your listener said, uh, can be really expensive. But you know, now with the advent of machine learning and the heightened awareness of how useful data can be, we are at a point where companies like us can create software that unlocks uh, that data for people who are not scientists and uh, in, in a way that doesn't cost a lot of money. You know, that's our whole thing, making this kind of data work for franchisors big and small, even if they don't have a horde of data scientists uh, at hand. So uh, to answer the listener's question directly, uh, the, the, the question regarding price depends on how many units uh, you have and how many customers you have, um, and, and that's something that, that we figure out uh, when you are onboarded. But I will say that we work with uh, small franchises as well as larger franchises, uh, you know, from, uh, from four units to over uh, 100 units. And, you know, we've had uh, franchisors that started out with us when they were, uh, you know, around five units. And, you know, after incorporating us to their site selection process and their marketing process and the recruitment process and their franchise sales process, they were able to grow um, from five to, at this point, I think they're close to 70 stores. So, you know, I will say that that data used to be really expensive. Our whole mission in life is trying to make that data, A, more accessible and B, more affordable so that small and medium businesses can use it and not just uh, big corporations. And to give you a little bit of background, um, my co-founder and I both have experience building these, you know, before we started Blastpoint, we uh, have over a decade of combined experience building uh, tools for really, really large uh, companies like Comcast, Verizon, PepsiCo, and it was there that we realized why isn't there anything like this for people who don't have a horde of data scientists at hand who can't afford to either go get that expertise themselves or hire that expertise. That is our entire um, cornerstone, if you will. Yeah, yeah, that's the. It's very interesting, especially a bunch of data scientists is a horde as opposed to a gaggle or something like that. Um, Okay, follow-up question. Uh, Do you only work with companies in the USA? It appears that uh, one of our site visitors isn't in the USA. So uh, we really are getting way across the world, aren't we, Ray? Um, Yes, yes. That's awesome. Um, right now, uh, we, we focus on, on data that is for the United States just because we want to make sure that all of our data is consistent and that we have national coverage. We do have plans on going international, but we're not quite there yet. They said thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> any, any, uh, any other questions from our listeners, Fred? I'll, as, I, as they send them to me. I will butt in, Ray. You know that. Uh, however, I will tell people that right. they can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Go ahead, Ray. One of, one of the things that comes to, to my mind is uh, if we continue, uh, as we have in the last couple of years with this very low unemployment rate, uh, that employee data is going to become uh, more relevant uh, in other words, you're not going to want to open up a, a factory where there's nothing, nobody but you know, white-collar workers. So, oh, yeah. 
is that type of data being more and more ingrained into the data you provide your uh, your your clients? Oh yeah, absolutely. Recruitment is you know another place that we've seen our franchisers use our data. So some of the franchisers that we work with have really specific rules about who can o- operate. Uh, their their stores, uh, you, you know the the concept that I mentioned earlier that is an orthopedic orthopedic wellness clinic um, comes to mind. And as a part of their site selection and market prioritization process, they had to see whether there are there's certified talent in the area. You know, they they are they're legally not allowed to have their stores operated by people who are not chiropractors or physical therapists. And with our data, they were able to not only see how many chiropractors and physical therapists are in an area and use that uh, in our algorithms to suggest potential markets to go to, but we are actually able to get uh, names and addresses and contact information for, uh, for recruitment purposes. So not only are they using this as a site selection tool, they're also using this data that is at, you know, it, it varies from aggregate data at the zip code level and the census block group level and the census tract level to rooftop level about businesses, residential households, and, you know, specific talent in a given area. So we know who they are, where they work currently, um, you know, whether they're certified based on their title um, and all that kind of stuff that, uh, that, our, franchisees, uh, that our franchisors use uh, both for site selection and recruitment purposes, and, mm-hmm. that's, and that's been something that's been really cool to see because, you know, as an engineer, it's not something that I expected to see uh, so soon, but it's been really cool to see our franchise, uh, franchisers uh, use the data in that way. Uh, so a lot of the businesses I know are, are really having a difficult time finding good employees, So I, and that's the reason I wanted to bring that, you know, uh, yeah. on, and, on the table, and, so you know, to speak, because it's becoming much more important these days. There's another project that we're working on right now with, with, you know, a a bigger chain that I can't can't name yet. But uh, one of the things that we are looking at is, you know, all of all of their employees, and we have all of this technology that can augment data about, you know, either your customers or your employees. Once we know someone's name and address, we can know all of these other things about them, like are they married? What's their birthday? Do they have a dog? Are they veterans? Which ward did they serve in? Um, Do they do they do donate to environmental causes, political causes, et cetera, et cetera? And then, to, you know, augmenting all of this, um, all of all of these profiles. What we're going to do is essentially take a look at all the employees uh, in their stores that are loyal, that have stayed longer than six months, and then figure out what makes someone more likely to be um, a long-term employee. And then we're going to take that uh, data model and extrapolate that over the entire country so that when they do uh, when they do open more stores they can look for that specific attribute in a given area or market to make sure that there is enough talent and that it is good talent that's going to stay for a while absolutely so before i forget and fred in, interrupts us uh what is the <laughs> best way if if uh if uh someone wants to get a hold of you ask you a question or or you know, uh, find out more about your product. Uh, you know, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, you know, via phone or, or email or web page or name the Yeah, so, so so I'll give you a bunch. Um, so uh, easiest way to find us is our website, which is blastpoint.co. So B L A S T 
P-O-I-N-T dot C-O. Um, we also have an ebook that we wrote about using data to grow franchises. You can go there and download it right now. It's free. Um, you can uh, contact us on there, or I'll give everyone my, uh, my email as well. It's Tomer, T-O-M-E-R dot Bornstein, B-O-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, at BlastPoint.co. Uh, so you guys can email me directly as well. Uh, and, you know, we'd obviously love to hear from your listeners if you're interested in the software, or even if you just have more questions about this kind of data and, and how to use it, um, even outside of, of our software, we'd, we'd be happy to help with that. You did it well, Ray. You did it well. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the best. Um, so what, um, that that leaves me with the, the last question, uh, which is, uh, what's the one thing you would want to tell our you our listeners? Hmm. That's that's a good question. Uh, you know, I'm going to say that. Uh, you know, one of the questions that we get asked a lot is, is if there is one thing that I can do uh, to improve my outcomes in terms of expansion and growth, what can I do from a data perspective? And, you know, I think it's, it's pretty squarely going to be make sure that you understand who your customers are, uh, collect as much data as you can. We've, we've seen uh, some franchisors, uh, you know, start um, – a little bit behind the curve because they don't have access to uh, to data about their customers. If you don't have that through your point of sale system, uh, maybe change your point of sale system. Uh, but if not, you know there are coupons and discounts are other. Come on, you're fading out. Yeah, you are fading okay. in and out there. How about now? Better. Well, all right. Nope. So, um, <laughs> there we go. Nope. Can, all right. Oh man, I wonder. I wonder what this is. Um, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Don't know. Can't see it. <laughs> uh, uh, what I was going to say is that the one thing that you can really do to improve your outcomes is to start collecting more data about your customers. Uh, it can be free. It doesn't have to be some kind of uh, elaborate. Uh, let's purchase data to augment profiles. You can start collecting data about your customers uh, with surveys and coupons and things like that that you can then use uh, through, you know, someone like us or even by yourself to really get a data-driven model of who your customers are. Because And and the reason why this is important is because once you have an idea of who your customers are, uh, where they live, what, what makes an ideal engaged customer, then you can use that for site selection, for marketing, for messaging, for advertising, uh, for recruitment, all of these kinds of things. And I think that that, you know, figuring out who your customers are is at the core of everything that we do. Uh, And, you know, that's the the one piece of advice that I have for anyone listening who is interested in buying a franchise or interested in starting a franchise concept or or growing uh, a, a franchise concept beyond the emerging franchise stages. You heard it here first. Thanks to Tomer <laughs> Bornstein of BlastPoint.co um, for helping us understand big data. Hey, Ray. Thanks for yeah. having me, guys. Big big data. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Tomer. It was really fun talking with you. Now, we're going to have you back. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I hope so. Yeah. We will. <laughs> Bye, guys. We'll be talking soon. 
And Ray, as always, it's time for another sponsor. Uh, I do want to say before we, uh, before I go into sponsor and we go into uh, future bet, the deconstruction of the ROI. Next week we've got. It's a very special show next week, Ray. It's women yes. in business. What surprises you most? Now you and I are going to get to shut up for most of it. Um, because, of course, I guess we mansplain everything. So next week, we have our, our wonderful uh, female co-host joining us, uh, Kristen Chamelsey of Molly Maida of Bloomingdale, mm. who's been on the guest many times and has been the emergency Ray stand-in <laughs> 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 when you were still on the bus somewhere. And uh, yep. Holly A. Ford will be... Um, uh, being female explaining to me on the franchise uh, professional. And from what I hear, we could have quite a few callers coming in on this. It's been going out wide. And from what I've been told, there's been over a hundred invites sent. So we could be hearing a whole lot of women next week. Should be interesting. Mm. And with that, we'll first roll into a word from our sponsor. Hey, franchise owners. Does the marketing that corporate provides for your franchise go far enough? Do you struggle to get local clients to call or come through your door? At Mediavine Marketing, we love working with franchises like yours to personalize and localize your marketing efforts through social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, in emails to your current and past customers, with Facebook or Google ads, and whiteboard animation videos. Contact Mediavine Marketing today at 805-265-5440 or go to mediavinemarketing.com. That's 805-265-5440. Mediavine Marketing. We know franchises and we want to help yours grow. Hopefully Michelle will be joining on the call next week. Like I said, a whole lot of people have been invited on and I don't know how much we're going to say, right? Yeah, it's going to be difficult, you know that. <laughs> I've always got something yeah. to say. <laughs> you and me both, my friend. So now, um, yeah. Holly A. Ford, uh, one of our one of our wonderful sponsors of Zary and Firm International, put together this clip, and it's entitled "Future Bet: Deconstructing the ROI," and that's so wonderfully geeky um, that it's a perfect uh, follow-on to our big data discussion, don't you think? Yeah. Absolutely should be. All right. Take it away, Holly. Hi, this is Holly Ford from Zarian Firm joining you today from Cincinnati. It is so peaceful here today. No sun, but a beautiful layer of new snow on the ground. And I have a gorgeous fire going. I just I love this time of year and I'm really looking forward to more snow. I'll change my mind in February, but right now it's gorgeous. Turning in franchising this week. I had two clients come on board that were looking for a real diamond in the rough business. Both cash buyers were looking to gamble on buying a failing business, using their skills to turn it around, and then ultimately selling it for a very high return on their investments. Think about this mindset for a minute. A franchise owner invested upwards of half a million dollars in the build out, hired and trained all the employees, invested in marketing and growth, only to find that in the first few years, for one reason or another, They couldn't sustain the business into profitability, and now they need to get out and fast. So what's the answer? Well, we think that rather than terminating or relinquishing the business to the franchisor, 
An owner can often come out with their shirt on by selling to a buyer with a higher risk tolerance. The advantage to the seller, they get out with more than they would for relinquishing or terminating their business. And then the advantage to the buyer is that they have a much lower investment with a higher return in exchange for the risk they're willing to take. If you're a franchise owner and your business is struggling, there are things you can do. Zarian Firm offers clients a service that will analyze the business, its factors of distinction, and strip the numbers to develop a current value and a projected value based on several different scenarios. We found this is really empowering for our clients who can now decide to sell and will look for buyers that see the potential and want to invest and turn it around, or they can engage in the plan that we create to optimize the business for a later sale. Connect with me if you want to learn more about this program. Which leads us to this week's topic, Futures Bet, Deconstructing the ROI. On February 3rd, Super Bowl 53 will draw more than 100 million viewers. And according to the American Gaming Association, will be the recipient of more than $4.5 billion in bets. In fact, right now, many bets have already been made. And these bets are, of course, called our show title, Futures Bets. So how does this relate to franchising? Well, when you're looking at buying a business, you're looking at a future return with the statistics of present data. In other words, am I going to place a bet on the 325 to 1 Saints or should I put my money on my beloved 9,000 to 1 Bengals? Hmm. Same when I buy a business, though. I need to look at the numbers and analyze a lot of present-day optics to determine if my investment or bet will really pay off in the future and how long it will take. If my savings account is going to yield a pitily 0.1% annually and if the stock market does what it's done over the last 90 years, it will give me a 9.8% annualized return, which of course is getting better. But if I decide my goal is to have a 25% ROI and I want it in just four years, the only place I can get that kind of return is in buying a business. The big three key performance indicators to look at when buying a business are gross revenue or customer retention rates, both that indicate sustainability of the business, operating cash flow, which is obviously a key indicator for positive growth, and then our topic for today, ROI. ROI is critical in determining how profitable a business purchase will be. Without knowing how long it will take to get my desired return of 25%, I'm just shooting in the dark. Okay, so to calculate ROI, we're going to use a simple ratio of the gain from an investment relative to its cost. Okay, This formula is simply, and I wrote this in the blog so you can refer to this later, ROI equals earnings minus cost divided by cost. So... If I pay $400,000 for Ray's Molly Made business, which is cash flowing $150,000 a year, the annualized return on my investment is 10.67% over four years. Awesome. And it's going to take me less than three years to pay off my investment. So think about this. In four years, I earn a 50% return on my initial investment, which was double my goal. So that deal was an excellent futures bet. But let's do another example. Let's, let's, do, uh, let's do a new sale. Nick over at FCC is selling a new franchise to Fred. Fred's total investment in the business with build-out, franchise fee, and working, ca- working capital all in is four hundred grand. 
According to the franchisor's FDD, which is the franchise disclosure document, make sure you look at these, we're going to find it in item 19 that this fictitious business should profit 75000 year one, 125000 year two, 200000 year three, and beyond. In this scenario, Fred's first year would be a negative ROI of 81%, second year an annualized negative ROI of 29%, and of third year he breaks even. But then, ending year four, Fred, now with his 600000 in profits, has achieved a 50% return on his investment. Again, that is an excellent futures bet. Next week's two-minute topic is entitled, She's Got Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes, Women in Franchising. And that topic will coincide with a special Pillars broadcast on women in business that I will co-host with Kristen Salmezzi. Finally, today our highlighted franchise of the week is Scout and Molly's. Scout and Molly's is a boutique franchise with designer brands and a personal touch. Total estimated investment is three hundred to three hundred and fifty thousand, with royalties running at five to six percent. But if you are looking for a resale opportunity, connect with me this week, and I'll show you what's available in your area. If you have any questions about this topic or any other question regarding franchising, email me at holly at zarianfirm.com. That's holly at zarianfirm.com, and we can cover it on a future episode. This is Holly Ford of Zarian Firm on Pillars of Franchising saying, see you next week, same time, same bat channel. Thanks, Holly. Wow. That's uh, some pretty heavy stuff there, Ray. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what's next, Fred? Well, next week, like I said, is a very special show. We got such great response when we did the Women in Franchising show um, a month or two back that uh, it was, you know, it just made a lot of sense to do instead of Women in Franchising because sometimes that scares off people that um, don't know if they want to be in franchising or don't, they don't want to be a business. So, uh, you know, Women in business, and what's the most surprising thing um, that's happened to you in your uh, um, professional career? Should be a real fun show, um, and it should be fun to actually um, be able to sit back and relax and let Kristen and Hallie do all the work. Yeah, I I, I think that's going to be fascinating because I feel that that women in, in, in business is, is a thing that is growing uh, tremendously. And I, I believe this, the last statistics I heard on that, it, it, it's grown quite a bit in the last couple of years. Well, uh, from what the most recent statistics I've seen, at least on franchising is women now own 30.6% of uh, the franchises out there, um, which means mm-hmm. to the, 14.4% of our listenership that may not own a franchise, give us a call. We'll help you get to the right people to own a franchise so we can get uh, women franchise ownership in the U.S. up to 45, 40%, 45%, which is, yeah, 45%, which is how many women listen to, what percentage of our listeners are women? Yeah, yeah, that would be a good uh, statistic to find. Absolutely. Um, so we can... We'll see what we can figure out there. Um, so, folks, uh, this has been Pillars of Franchising. Ray and I had an, I had a good time. Did you have a good time? I always have a good time. 
Uh, yeah, I really enjoy this, Fred. And it, just talking business is always, you know, just great. I just love it. You know, I I, I do too. Um, and I find at times that puts me kind of in the minority. Um, I find I really can't watch TV anymore. Uh, it kind of turns my stomach and um, it's like every movie that's out there has already been made. So um, I find I'd rather talk business than, well, it seems to be safer to talk to about than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard to find, you know, it's hard to find people to talk business with. And uh, that's one of the reasons I like doing what I do because a lot of the people that I hang with in, you know, in the RV world uh, are, are former or existing business owners. So it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. How big, how long is yours, by the way? Boy, that sounds like a personal Fred. <laughs> oh, you mean my coach. Yeah, 45 feet. Yes. I think the other day, I, is there a 60-foot coach? Have you heard of any that were like Again? 60 foot? Have you heard of any coaches, no, no. not necessarily of your model or whatever, that are 60? No. Because I'll swear no. I saw that, one that was that, bigger than that's, yours. Uh, it's, that's a maximum in all states that I know of, hmm. the 45 feet. Now they can attach. Wow. What, what you might see is uh, what, what uh, uh, some owners of coaches like, like this uh, will tow uh, – uh, what they call a double stacker and it, it's painted just like the coach. So it looks like one long coach and uh, in there they'll have like uh, on the top level, they'll have their toys, their quads and motorcycles. And on the bottom level, they'll have their car. <laughs> so uh, maybe that was yeah. it. All I know is it was huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can look quite uh, interesting going down the road. I can say that. Well, make it safe back to Aurora, my friend. Otherwise, we won't have a show next week, and we got to have a show next week. Otherwise, we'll have a whole lot of angry women listening on us. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on that note, we'll see y'all, or we'll talk to y'all later, folks. This has been Pillars of Franchising yeah, with Ray and Fred. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening.